Okay. So, hello podcasters and welcome once again to Sexplosion. My name is Caroline Chenier from carolinescheniercoaching.com. I am your coach on all things intimacy, relationship, sex, and super consciousness. This is my podcast teaching you about how to sexually liberate yourself to be confident, spicy, and fun around intimacy and sex, along with learning about how to build a great foundation for strong, long-lasting, and passionate relationships. It is unfiltered, uncensored, and unexpected. Now, you may have heard me mention that I've been working on a couple of secret projects. I'm really excited about them because they are designed especially around you. But I can't tell you about them yet, so I'll tell you about them next time. Also, if you haven't checked out my TikTok yet, go and have a look. I am the number one intimacy relationship coach on there with almost 43,000 followers, you know, and uh, it's called at Caroline Sexplosion, so easy to look for. I talk about taboo things that nobody else does and it is an eye-opener. Uh, also, for my sex toys and my intimacy and sex Amazon reading list and loads more, head over to carolineshinner.com or go to my link tree, which is linktr.ee forward slash carolineshinner. So, here we go. I have been really looking forward to today's topic. I've spoken about it on TikTok and I've had posts in Instagram, but this is the first time I'm discussing it with a guest on this podcast. So, introducing Sex and Friends with Benefits. My guest today is the beautiful Sarah Martin. She is an anti-fascist sex and dating coach who helps horny people get laid ethically. Yep, I thought your ears would prick up. Sarah is the creator of the Dignified Hedonist Framework, a proven system for supercharging dating and relationship success. Sarah has worked with hundreds of clients all over the world through workshops, courses, and results-focused one-to-one coaching. She's also the host of the Slutty Activist podcast. We're going to listen to a bit more about that later. Sarah (laughs) operates her own private practice out of villainous Lithuania, which is where she serves clients online worldwide. So lovely to have you with us, Sarah. A massive sexy welcome to Sexplosion. Thank you so much. I love, like, I get a little bit flustered, like, oh, I'm being introduced. And it feels very, it feels very nice. It's very oh. ego stroking. And I do love me a good ego stroking. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, that's what we love to do here. So listen, we've got loads to talk about, um, loads to unpack with his friends with benefits. So first of all, can you please explain what the dignified hedonist framework is? Yeah, sure. So I have been in private practice since 2016, and for years I was working with clients, a lot of uh, men, in particular men in STEM fields, and I was observing that there was a pattern in the clients that I was working with, and that there were a set of steps that we were going through almost every time. Like It would be wild, and I don't know if this happens with you in your practice, but you might have like three clients in the same day and feel like you're having the same conversation three times. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's almost eerie when that happens. It's like, what is going on with the synchronicity in the universe that I've had the same conversation three times today? 
So what I did over time was turn this into a framework because I got a pretty good idea of the steps everybody would need to go through. And while that framework was originally developed with men in STEM, I've now applied it to folks with a variety of gender identities and relationship orientations. And I've got this nine step process I take people through to help them radically transform their approach to dating, sex and relationships. Oh, it sounds fabulous, fabulous. So listen, I want to ask you now about sex of benefits. Now I've gone through this, okay, when I was going through my sexual peak for a period of oh, it must have been eight years, I had loads of them. And uh, the, the thing is, there are rules to them, aren't there? There's rules to being, mm. you know, you, you know, what I find is that many women, they love, they really like somebody, but that person isn't ready to settle They don't want to commit. So what they do is they go along with it um, and say, no, 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 I don't want anything more than this either. And mm. hope that the man's going to fall in love with them. And what inevitably what happens is they actually end up, the girl actually ends up falling in love with them and then they get hurt. So what's mm. your take on that? My take is that that's exactly the wrong reason to get into a friend with benefits relationship. And it's kind of like if you put the shoe on the other foot, right? Like I think we as women can understand that motivation that like, oh, if we just hang around for a while, he's going to see how amazing I am. He's going to come around. Exactly. He's going to commit to me. It's almost as creepy a feeling, I think, is when you know, when guys do the whole, oh, I was friend zoned, where they pretend to be your friend when what they actually want is yeah. for you to be their romantic partner. So I want to call that out because I, I think wouldn't say romantic partner, actually. Well, romantic would... or sexual partner. Yes, for... that's, that's some my of those, Some of those guys definitely do have like a grand romantic vision where, oh, she's going to fall in love with you. And part of that is probably mm. going to be sexual, like she's going to want to tear your clothes off. But there's usually also this emotional connection component that's different for them than just the friend component. But anyway, like my point being, like in both of those cases, what you actually want, like you don't share it up front, like you're being kind of hidden about that intent. Yeah. Whereas if you want to have an awesome time with friend with benefits relationship, it's better to pursue them because you want to, because you want to experience that type of relationship. And I think that can be like the first mindfuck that a lot of people have with friends with benefits going, oh, well, do I want to have a relationship like this? And you might not. You might say, you know, actually, no, like I'm looking for a long-term committed partnership, in which case, yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing friends with benefits. But I talk to a lot of women who are coming out of long unsatisfying relationships where they weren't happy, where they weren't being sexually fulfilled, where they weren't having a good connection with the their partner. Of women, Sarah, the amount of women that get to their 40s, been in a marriage for a long time or just a long relationship, and they really haven't. I mean, I know a few women that really have never, ever even had a proper orgasm. You know that? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's sad, isn't it? Well, it's sad and also like, it's not that surprising. Like, look at what society does to women and to female sexuality. Like, we are kept deliberately ignorant, is my read on this situation. And that's starting totally to change. Agree. Starting to change because of people like you, because of people like me, because our culture is starting to become 
slowly, slowly more sex positive, though you're seeing a total backlash against that in some places as well, right? So to that end, like, I often find that folks who have come out of these long relationships where they weren't allowed to be fully their sexual selves, oftentimes there is an interest in trying out a friends with benefits relationship to see what that's like. And that's the time where it's like, okay, then you want to move forward. Because if you want to do it for you to see what it's like to try it out, that's a much better motivation than I really like this person and I really want to have a committed relationship with them, but they don't seem ready for that right now. Cause that's just, that's not going to end well. Has it ever ended well? I don't know, maybe for like one or 2% of people, but look, I've been a victim myself. I have been a victim myself. Like, uh, it was towards the end of my sexual peak, you see. So I think that's the difference is that I, my mindset was not, Oh, I'm having fun. It started to change. And I, I wasn't aware that it started to change. And so when I met this person, um, I said, listen, I, I don't want anything serious. He goes, well, nor do I, he says, brilliant. And it lasted a year, but it was as it was getting towards the end of the year and it was literally just coming around my house, having a fuck and then going, but I then wanted more. And, and, and the thing is, is that I was a victim and, and he goes, but hang on a minute. And this is, this is what happens. He said, hang on a minute. When did the rules change? He said, this is not our agreement. Right. He had every right to say that, every right to say that. Well, yeah. And I think that's part of that's part of what can get a bit complicated with friends with benefits relationships, because first of all, you got to decide what do you mean when you say friends with benefits. Right. And when I'm working with clients, I often ask them, OK, what does friend mean? Like when you say that, what are you actually imagining doing? How are you spending time together? What sort of activities are you sharing? Mm. And also, what does benefit mean? Because actually, there seems to be quite a swathe of different interpretations of what sexual activity with someone who's mostly a friend would look like. And in what you described, I would almost call that like a sex friends relationship, because it sounds it like the yeah the main thing you were doing was like sex. That's right. And, yeah. We never went anywhere. That we never went anywhere. It was literally just at my house. I never went anywhere. It's almost like. It was a boundary between where he lived and where I lived. I, I never, ever went to that part of the, um, the, the, the country. You know, it wasn't country, yeah. it was in London, but you know what I mean? And I yep. felt like I couldn't go because that, that's like, you know, he was a different religion as well. So it was a, it was more serious religion. Okay. And had I stepped into that world, it would have been, oh, oh, you'd have to get married and all the rest of it. And he didn't want that. Obviously, that wasn't yeah. the deal. Well, and that's the thing because the other... Thing people maybe aren't expecting when it comes to having like really great friends with benefits relationships is it's going to require some courage on your part, some self-awareness and good communication skills. Because as soon as you notice those feelings changing or your desires changing, you got to speak up about it right away. Because once you start keeping that secret, again, keeping that hidden intent that, oh my goodness, I'm developing feelings. Maybe if I just leave it, they will too it changes the whole vibe. It changes the whole dynamic because suddenly instead of being upfront with your desires, which is part of what can make friends with benefits so empowering, especially for people. And I'm going to include men and women in this who have never spoken up about their desires directly before. Like 
that can be an exhilarating thing the first time you do it. It can also be really scary the first yeah. time you do it. Well, especially if you're one of these women that had a very sheltered sexual relationship in your marriage or long relationship, right? Oh, yeah. Or if you were a victim of purity culture or... Uh you know, there's any number of reasons, or if you also were kind of a late bloomer and socially awkward and didn't have your first relationship until you were in your twenties or thirties, right? Yeah. Like there can be any number of reason why women have not had that experience before, mm. but that flip side is, you know, you gotta be upfront and direct. And we are not taught how to do that. Like no, girls are not yeah. socialized for that at all. Right. No, not at all. And the other thing in, in the things that you were mentioning just now is the religion side of it, because if you're not going into a loving, committed relationship and you're just doing friends with benefits, whatever you, your idea is of that, then you're being disrespectful to even yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, because I remember my friend, I, I tell you what happened, right? Oh, I, I was doing a little bit more than friends with benefits. I was going to clubs and you no know, sex clubs and mm -hmm. going to parties, and things like that. But I do remember my friend who, who, um, she never ever commented on anything. But when I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore, I was, I was like, okay, I've really had an amazing time. I've learned so much about myself, about sex, about everything. I said to her, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do it anymore. She goes, oh, my God, Karen, she said, thank God for that. She goes, I really felt like you were de de um, um, de devaluing yourself. And she was mm. like, she was really upset. She said, all this time, she said, I've been so upset about you doing that. Amazing, right? It's like, it's like, that's my choice. But that is how it made her feel, possibly because of her own upbringing and the way she's been conditioned, obviously. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, yeah, and those messages continue to affect us throughout our lives, especially if we never unearth them, because that messaging gets pushed to us so much that it like it becomes almost unconscious. It sounds like our own voice talking inside of our head saying, you know, I'm fallen or I'm dirty or I'm a bad girl, which you know, down the line, you can actually eroticize those things and play around with that energy, which can be fun. <laughs> but I'm talking about the point where you're still mired in sexual shame, right? And where you might not even realize that that's been put there, right? That's been imposed on you. It's not the truth. It's not, exactly. you know, destiny. And, and that, that is one trend I've noticed, like, especially over the last 10 years, like, I think a lot of women are waking up to the fact that, hey, actually, this is quite fun. And I don't feel bad or wrong for going out and experimenting sexually or sexually expressing in all of these different ways or going to parties like you were talking about or yeah. clubs or other sexual environments, which it can sometimes be like before you do that the first time too, can be like, oh my God, what kind of, what kind of freaks are going to be in there? And you go in and there's just like the nicest people. They are. And, they're all they, ordinary people. They're all, when I say ordinary, I mean, they're just all normal people. It's true. They're like you and me. It's just, they have a little bit of a thirst for something different, which they're not frightened to go ahead and have a go with. I mean, God, what I, going back to these women of, uh, like, like we're in a long relationship, you know, what I found is that the women, when they get to their 40s, they have a much more confidence, even though they've had that, that, that uh, stereotypical conditioning, um, they are a little bit more uh, mature. And so they are not so scared to go out and, and just have a good time, which is brilliant. And I think 
coupled with the sexual peak, I think that really, really does help. Well, yeah. And isn't it interesting, all of this messaging from from like society and men and the male gaze about how you hit the wall at 30 and then you're you're, you're too old. And it's like, that's interesting that that is placed there just as women are starting to come to their sexual peak, just as women are starting to grow and step into their confidence and know who they are. Nice. Right. So, you know, that I don't think that's an accident either that that timing is as it is. Um, and then just one other thing about the normal people in sex clubs, they also have like amazing snacks. I don't know why, but these people usually are all great at like baking. <laughs> There's usually really? great cupcakes. Oh, I've yeah. not seen that. That sounds huh. incredible because I do like a nice cake. I know, right? Who doesn't? <laughs> cake and sex. Like what more do you want? Like, they go together. <laughs> eat off the bodies, right? Just eat a cake <laughs> off like wherever you want to eat it. <laughs> And pears, Excellent. they always have pears for some reason. Right? Yeah. And then might might just be the places I'm going. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> the Lithuanian ones, maybe. Um, <laughs> it's all fun though. So um, so the the one thing I wanted to um ask you about and see what you think is that one of the things I I've spoken about with friends with benefits is really to agree, you know, because they all have different ideas of what so friends with benefits is they kind of do a verbal contract when they first meet so they know exactly where they are you know and and the man says honestly which they normally do to be fair but the woman has to be honest with herself right she's got to be honest it it works best when everybody's honest about what they want so i actually recommend to my clients like the most important step in this process is to spend a little bit of time getting really clear about what you want so that you can communicate it to somebody else and check, is it a good fit? Because people thing, don't do that. People generally don't do that. Check in people, with themselves. Exactly. And it, and this seems to be true for men and women. Like in my practice, I observe it. There's a lot of, how do I get her to like me? How do I get him to like me? Is he happy? Is she happy? And then it's always like, well, how do you feel about this? Right? Are you happy? Is this what you want? And that's the part you have control over, getting in touch with yourself. Like you don't have control over whether somebody ultimately desires you or not, right? We can control ourselves. We can't control others. So, yeah, I mean, that, I have so many different things coming to mind. Like where go. would you like to go next with this? Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think getting started with desire, getting clear on desire, and then getting some of that practice in with communicating it. Like it can actually be really helpful to call up one of your close friends and just be like, hey, would you mind like just doing a little bit of practice with me? Especially if this is like the very first time you're starting to have these kind of conversations. So that's one thing that came to mind because you might be listening to this and saying like, Caroline, Sarah, that's great. But like, how, how do you do this? Oh my God. Like I've never, I've never said to somebody before, like, Hey, you want to be friends with benefits? Cause that's also like controversial maybe, but that's generally what I help my clients with doing is being really upfront about what they're looking for instead of doing that. Oh, well, we'll just go on a date and then see, and then maybe a second date. And then maybe I'll slip in. Okay. Friends with benefits. It's like, mm, I think it works a lot better 
if you begin as you mean to go on yeah, and you're definitely. clear upfront about what you want and what that even means to you. So, you know, <laughs> rather than that, like waiting and seeing, because I think that waiting and seeing sometimes has a place, like if you're dating with the intention to find a long-term yeah. monogamous partner, exactly. then okay. Yeah. You want to give it a couple of dates and notice how you feel and see what's happening. And even then you can be upfront that what you're looking for is to find a long-term monogamous partner. And that's the intention you come to dating with. Like, I think we make our lives easier and we waste so much less time when we are clear about our intentions upfront. I don't know what you think, but like, that's like Absolutely a big agree. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Um, and what's also, um, contributes to the, the taboo type of stigma that this has is that, you know, way back in Roman times, there was no stigma, was there? Everybody fucked everybody. They were like, even if you go to Pompeii, I haven't been, I need to go, but there are like, they've worked out there, were these little rooms with these, um, stone benches with a little bit of a bump, which looked like a pillow. And they would have had a curtain over them. And you could just go into one of these rooms and just have a, you know, have a fuck and then go again, you know? Well, I mean, I think there was something some, changed. There was some taboo, but it was different. Like I think in Roman society, it had a lot to do with class and where you fit in the class true, hierarchy, true. whether you were a Roman citizen or not. But I take your point. And actually, like in the history of restaurants, like way back in the day, a lot of restaurants used to have like restaurant downstairs, brothel upstairs. Like there was yes. this there's one in Paris we went to the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It used to be. I mean, not now anymore, but it was. The madames would go in around the back door. And so, oh, it was amazing. We're going there for my dad's birthday next week because uh, it's, <laughs> Fantastic. it's actually an incredible place. But they had these little rooms upstairs, you see. But now they're, 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 they're like dining rooms, but they were bedrooms. See? And it's interesting that, like, that's a whole other thread, like the connection <laughs> between sex and food over time. And it's it's interesting <laughs> how it's popped up a couple times in our conversation. But, like, think about it, too. Like, women are told to be really restrictive around food in the same kind of ways they're told to be really restrictive around sex. Like the interrelationship goes deep, right? Yeah, it certainly does. But um, yeah, you know, I think it's friends with benefits just has so much potential for, I don't know, it's also like self-determination and like autonomy and thinking about how you actually want to design a relationship to work. And it's not to say you can't do that in long-term or monogamous relationships too. You absolutely can. I just think because friends with benefits doesn't have much of a social mold. It's not like you grew up watching a lot of rom-coms about friends with benefits that it's some people's first experience of the freedom of designing their own relationship in a way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And the thing about um, friends with benefits is that if you are going out there to like release your sexuality. Actually, Friends with Benefits is actually a good place to start, isn't it? Because at least then um, you're with one person and they're willing to experiment like you're willing to experiment. And they're probably very already, already very experienced, although it does depend. Like, for example, all of mine were all young men, like in between 2022 20, and 34 something like that and they were all absolutely wanted to learn loads and loads about sex loads that's what their goal one of their two goals was those young men 
One was their job, um, career, and the other was learning as much as they possibly could about the bedroom. So that's why the older women were so much better for them because generally, generally an older woman does have more experience, except uh, there are all the women we were talking about which actually don't have that much experience, have never actually experienced anything other than the missionary position um, mm. and, and nothing more, maybe doggy, and that's it. And never, never experienced with toys, never had any kind of, um, um, oh, what was I going to say about that? Oh, uh, yeah, different positions, you know, oral. And I'm talking like both, like the oral on the outside, but also um you know the back end and all the stuff that nobody ever talks about and nobody ever you know um experiments with unless you've got somebody who's prepared to go through it with you i mean at the end of the day you know i was in my sexual peak so i was like i just wanted to just do it all right um and the young men obviously were were, were quite happy to go along with it and they loved it and quite often that all these young men because you see there's a problem with commitment with the young ones, they didn't want to commit. That I told you, their two goals is only their career and sex. So when it came to a relationship, when I say a relationship, I say that loosely, they couldn't really go with the girls of their ages because the girls wanted to settle down and they just didn't want that. So what they loved to do was go with the older woman who'd already been there, done that, worn the t-shirt with marriage, children, and they were just in their sexual peak, ready to have a fantastic time. And so that was actually quite quite a good combination. They didn't want to get committed. I didn't want committed to get committed. And it was just perfect. And they quite often they ran for at least a year. Like saw when I say a year, I don't mean like seeing them every week. I'm seeing because obviously I was seeing I was seeing quite a few. Mm-hmm. And so every now and again, I probably saw them four times a year. One would be four times a year, the other one would be three times, the other one would be two times, and the other might be more. So it's a really, really interesting um, way of exploration, exploring you, exploring a man, if you're that way, or exploring a woman, if you're that way, you know, and, um, you know, getting it, getting it all straight in your head, ready, like you were saying for the relationship, what is it you want out of your relationship? Because obviously those women that didn't have a very sexual relationship in their relationships, probably have changed their mind once they've been with friends with benefits and think actually i want loads more so they then create this type of relationship that they want having had the friends with benefits well yeah and it's a very powerful way to go about a journey of self-discovery because what you find can really vary And for some people, they might learn a lot about their sexuality and how they show up in relationships, what they want, what they don't want. And they may choose to go on and find a long-term partnership, do those sorts of things. Other people might discover that, wow, like non-monogamy works really well for them. And actually, maybe they discover they're polyamorous and they want to have lots of connected relationships with other people concurrently. And that's also fine. Like it's a Again, once you get past the idea that it doesn't mean like you're fallen or flawed or broken or wrong for being a sexual person and that actually you have a lot of ability to determine how you create your relationships. I mean, like that can be kind of an overwhelming realization for a lot of people. It's like, but what's the model? How do I make it work? But then the other side of that, 
once you get like comfortable with that, that discomfort of not knowing exactly, you know, it's not like you date for, you know, this period of time, then you become engaged, then you get married, then you do this, then you do this, right? Like that's very mapped out for us in this escalator type relationship. Whereas here, you know, you make up your own model and that's thrilling and scary in equal measure, I think. And absolutely nothing wrong with it. Exactly. It's like we're all pigeonholed and we have to behave a certain way and, you know, do what we're told to do when we're all free human yeah. beings, free spirits in this, on this planet. We're all like, it just baffles me how uh, even that I was so asleep for so long, had no idea. You know, it's just lucky I do this work now. It's just like, I want to mm -hmm. help others do the same. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, have you, have you experienced friends with benefits? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of us have had a similar sort of trajectory in terms of our movement towards this work, because I was in a long monogamous marriage, like with somebody that I met when I was 19, which I now realize is very, very young, though you can't tell a 19 year old that like, no, that no, they have to learn themselves. Absolutely right. And that did not end well. And it was sort of the period after that, that I guess I would say is like analogous to this idea of waking up, this kind of realizing, wow, a lot of my behavior and decisions were guided unconsciously about what I believed I should do or had to do yeah. to be a good woman, to be a good person, to have a successful life. And, you know, and then there was that period of discovery. And for a while there, I, I lived in Warsaw, Poland, before I lived in Vilnius, where I am now. And that was, I don't know, probably like the richest season of my life for relationships. And I use relationship here to just refer to anything where I'm relating to people. So I enjoyed a lot of hookups and one night stands, as well as having several friends with benefits, as well as having several more committed partners and also a couple of comets. Um, comets being people that you see maybe once or twice a year, you know, just like a comet, they only come around once in a while, but it's really yeah. nice when they show up. That sounds great. I love all that. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, all that's over for me now. I mean, I'm with a, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship now, which I absolutely adore, but at the time, oh my God, I love it. And I still love to, I love to absorb it all from other people, you know? Oh yeah. I love it when someone discovers themselves and they like, you know, they realize, oh my God, you know, there's a friend of mine, um, so trapped, so, so trapped, um, and been trapped since she was 16. So you know, it's really hard. And she has excuses, i.e. the ego makes her stay where she is. And it's a shame because she's got so much to give, so much. It's hard, isn't it? Because mm. we can't actually break anybody out, right? They have to make the decision for themselves. And I, I do want to take a moment to honor that, you know, during the time when when we bought in, like when we drank the Kool-Aid, when like we believed the social lies that are told to us, like to an extent, choosing to go against that grain, like is a huge step. Jeez. And 
I generally, what I always say to my clients or anybody who's in my world is that you, know, you are the expert on your own life and you have the best knowledge about to what degree or not you are safe. Because some people are genuinely unsafe to come out as they fully are. And that might mean needing to get out of certain situations that might mean needing yeah. to get out of the family home, especially when I think about like my queer friends and how like some of them had pretty dangerous home lives if their um, parents had known about them. So I, I just want to honor that, like, when we talk about that unconsciousness or that being asleep, it's not really like a value judgment. Those people aren't bad. And it's, it's more there's an opportunity to, to move out of there once you are safe. And I think that for me personally, that was part of the journey was starting to feel safe enough to say, okay, I can actually be me here. And maybe things that made me unsafe when I was younger, that's not my reality now. And it took a while, right? I don't know. I don't know how it worked for you, but it took me a while. It took me a good couple of years to start getting into the groove and really starting to play and have fun. Do you know what? It didn't take me long at all. Because you see, once awesome. I, honestly, once I divorced from my husband, um, it did take me six years to get over that marriage. It wasn't a very nice marriage. But I was in my sexual peak. And thanks to that, I just went crazy. I'd have a man for breakfast, lunch and dinner, a different one. I'd be like having the most amazing time of my life. And what was great is they all wanted to do something different. They all wanted to learn something different. I was like, yeah. Because because girls of their age were too scared, you see. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Whatever you want to do, I'm in for it. I'm in, I'm in. But like, that's the beauty of slutting around a bit is that <laughs> you discover just how different everybody is. And it's such a fun way to connect with but people. It is like important though, don't you think? It's important to learn. We know we are all, like I was just saying, we're all individual, right? So everybody is different in the way they might do something a kiss is a kiss right but no it's different ways of doing it someone we you know have one way of doing it, somebody and i i personally think it's really important to actually experiment like you know my husband's mum and dad they've been they've known each other all their lives and actually i mean he probably had girlfriends but she's never had anybody else all her life and, and I know a few people like, not many, but a few people. And all I think is like, wow, you've not experienced any other kiss, any other fuck, any other um, hug like that kind of hug, any other, you know, cunnilingus. You've never experienced, and that's if they did do it, mm. you know. So it, I actually think, you know, they've missed out. Okay, they've got love, they've got love and everything like that, but where have they learned? Where have those people learned the different, unless they watch films, although I personally don't think porn films are a very good place to learn these things. I mean, people in India, so I've observed and discovered is they'll, you know, when they've been told they're going to get married in four months, they've never spoken to a woman before, they never touched a woman, never kissed a woman, and they then go and look on, on those films. Well, okay, they're not going to really learn, you know, how it really should be. It's not a good place to learn, but you know, they're not going to learn all the other things that I've learned and you've learned, you know what I'm saying? Well, and I think 
I mean, two things come to mind, like there's always trade-offs. So thinking about my own family, like a couple of my aunts and uncles are high school sweethearts, right? Mm -hmm. And so the trade-off against not having that additional diversity of experiences, but I mean, like, then again, who knows? I have no idea what they've done in their private lives. And like, as I, I don't either, you know, and as far as I understand it, stuff got wild in the seventies and eighties. So, you know, like more power to them if they did, but like what I see there and what I kind of wish about my husband now, because I've also like consciously chosen monogamy for the time being, and I'm in this relationship that, you know, I often think, wow, it would have been great to meet you when I was a teenager. I wish I had all of these extra years instead of yes. meeting you later yeah, in life. And you're still young, Sarah, you see. I met my husband at oh, 55 years old. Um, but I started this, this sexual adventure when I was about 46. Right. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's, it's all an adventure, isn't it? And so if you had met your partner earlier, like there would have been a trade-off, right? Like then there wouldn't have been the experimentation time. And so I, I see it like that's kind of how I've squared this away for myself that like none of the time for me has been wasted. And I'm actually quite chuffed with how it all worked out. Like, and it's still an adventure, right? Like you said, like there's still plenty of life left to explore. Absolutely. And and like things keep changing. I think that's one of the things where men and women go wrong when it comes to sexuality is that there's this assumption that like this is how I am as a sexual being and this is how I will always be. And oh my mm. God, like it changes. It changes throughout life and it changes depending on so many different factors, right? But I think sometimes folks are really blindsided by how dynamic sexuality actually is. And you know, so take it from us. Like it does change throughout the course of life, right? It really does. And of course, the other thing um, with sexuality is um, menopause. When menopause comes in, you then, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going through it now, is that the, uh, the estrogen, you know, which is the, uh, the, sexy, the sexy hormone diminishes, doesn't it? So a lot of women in their relationships, even if they were quite, you know, in their sexual peak, in their marriages or whatever, and then suddenly it's like, why don't I want to do it anymore? What's going on? They've got no idea because that's another thing nobody talks about. That's another, we've actually got uh, a sex and menopause, um, a sex explosion a bit further down the line, number seven, I think it is. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's incredible how much we don't know. And, you know, how many of us go and have a look at our bits downstairs? You know, there's a lot of things that we don't do or explore sexually. So, you know, when it comes to sex with benefits, friends with benefits, I mean, sex friends with benefits, you know, I actually think it's an ex excellent opportunity. Excellent. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like women are kept in the dark about everything. Everything that has to do with our bodies, everything that has to do with pleasure, everything that has to do with our sexuality. Like it's what, like the lies about pregnancy too? Like you want to talk about like the lies or the silence around menopause of which there are many. Same deal with pregnancy, right? One picture is painted. It's basically another puberty, which is kind of what I think of Jeez. menopause too. It's like these huge shifts that totally change 
like we are, we are so affected by hormones, right? Like, and it's one of those things that you don't realize until it's happening. And it's like, oh, geez. Cause like estrogen, like it makes you super pretty, but it also can make you like super depressed. It's, they all have their, their sides, right? They do. And not enough people know about them. Even in, even your GP, when you go and yeah, see right? a GP, they don't even know anything. They have two weeks worth of menopause training. That's it. So at the time when I was learning, when I was learning about it from the uh, menopause expert that we had on, um, but even that, you know, um, he's like, even like I hate to say this because I'll get a load of but if you're not getting what you want at home like if you're in a relationship you absolutely adore love your partner you, your family love whatever you know sex with benefits can be handy because it doesn't mean anything right well it depends and that's 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 the beauty and the challenge with friend with benefits is that like it can mean something. It can mean like a really good friendship where sex is also something that you do together. And it can be much more on the other side of the spectrum where you only really see each other to have sex. And that's it. Like that's all that there is inside. of. And that's where that, that contract comes in at the beginning, isn't it? Where you agree with exactly how this relationship is going to go, right? Yep. While also understanding that like, what you both want might change over time. So part of that agreement should also be an agreement to like touch base from time to time. Like, are we both still happy with yeah, this arrangement? Yeah, right. Are we... Gosh, yeah. That is so important. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like having I mean, a general meeting. <laughs> well, I mean, I had a friend with benefits where we checked in every Thursday, like still happy with this. Yeah. And like Thursday was like basically the scheduled day where if you wanted to make a change or you weren't happy with something, like it was already pre-planned, which That's was cool. very, yeah, well, it was really handy because then if I ever did have anything that came up, I'd just be like, instead of being like, oh my God, how do I bring this up? When do I bring this up? It was just like, no, Thursday. Perfect. And so that saved so much time that I otherwise would have spent on worrying and agonizing and trying to find the right moment. Like we just created a right moment that came up every week. So there was a way to go like, hey, you still good? Anything you want to change? Any feedback you want to have? So there you go. There's a handy tip. That's something you can bring into your that friends is with brilliant. benefits. So what I want to ask you now is that let's say, I mean, all our listeners are listening in and thinking, actually, I'd quite like to experiment with it. Where do I start? So what would you say about where would they start? How do you know someone's going to be on the same wavelength as you when you meet them? Gotcha. So first thing to do is get clear about what you want, which is what we've been talking about yep. for a while here. So think about like, what does friends mean to you? What does benefits mean to you? How frequently would you want to be meeting up? Because you mentioned, Caroline, you had some friends with benefits that you saw maybe four times a year. And I just mentioned now I had a friend with benefits that I was seeing once or twice a week at one point. So but that's because we did a lot of friends stuff, too. It wasn't always just meeting up to have sex like we'd go like indoor rock climbing and doing those sort of things together. So that was more like a friendship plus where yeah. sometimes sex was a thing too. So, but you got to decide like on that spectrum, where do you want to be with somebody? And you're not picking your forever answer. You're picking your for right now answer. You can always change this down the road. And then once you know what you want, you want to pick the best context to find people who want the same thing. And for a lot of my clients, the best place for them to get started where they have 
the best results in terms of actually meeting people who want to be friends with benefits is using online dating. And in particular, platforms like Bumble and OkCupid have worked amazingly well. It does depend where in the world you are. Some places, you know, don't really use Bumble or OkCupid, but if you're in the UK or in the US, both of these platforms are huge. And Bumble works really great for men and women, I've found. Like Bumble's cool because you it as a woman. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah, all um, of them work. Except for OkCupid, the others work for me. What was the other one? Is, is Bumble and what was the other one? So Bumble and OkCupid, I've found, are great two, right, for yeah. friends with benefits. Tinder can work well, but Tinder's a very different, yeah. uh, different creature it is very different it was all right at first i remember when it first um popped onto our phones but no it became it became uh, it it just changed it has yeah and it's it's a very visual communication medium so generally people on tinder don't read and that can be really challenging if you're wanting to communicate important information like i'm non-monogamous or i'm only looking for friends with benefits and Online dating, the advantage is that you can say that up front. Yeah. And so people can self-select out. They can look and go, oh, I'm not interested in dating somebody who's non-monogamous. Like they just move on, right? Yeah. So that's why platforms where people read is, are helpful. And there are also like some dedicated apps nowadays. My favorite among them is Field for people who are looking for more casual sex, friends with benefits, threesomes, and so on. Like Field is a really... Nice app. It's been curated and cultivated as a very sex positive space. So that has also been beneficial for folks too. And I know not everybody loves the online dating route. I just mention it because again, it's so simple to be able to say on your profile. Easy, like, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because when you go out into a more general context, so maybe you're just at a bar, like you can't read anybody's mind, right? You can see the people. You can sometimes look for clues like, are they wearing a ring or not? But that isn't like even this day and age, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, right? Nope. People can be in committed partnerships and not be married. So, you know, and I think like oftentimes people are looking for what's the magic bullet to just be able to immediately find the person in the bar who wants the same thing I do. It's like, there isn't one. <laughs> like, there's a lot of being brave. There's a lot of like learning how to just ask in a way where you're not attached to the answer. I think that's the important thing. Like, if you're ever asking, you want it to be totally okay for the person to say no. And you got to make sure you're going to be okay hearing no. That's another thing I work with my clients on is like, just imagining their way through a scenario and say they ask and say the person says, oh, you know, no, or I'm not interested. Or even if they give you like a strong reaction, like, ew, what the fuck? Why would I do that? Like, you got to be internally ready to just be you like, do. okay, thank you. No worries. Because if you think you're going to be crushed by hearing no, then you shouldn't be no, like asking exactly. anybody yet. You got to do that internal work first. Mm. But to that end, you can pick IRL, so in real life locations, where you're more likely to find people who have similar interests. So that could be things like going to a speed dating event. These can be great. And it depends who's hosting it. So like, you know, speed dating events hosted by religious organizations aren't generally great for finding friends with benefits or non-monogamous relationships. <laughs> but ones that are hosted by student unions 
can be great. There's often like playfulness there. And then there are some that are just hosted by the big uh, social groups, social organizations in cities. And while they can be general, at least, you know, everybody who's there is kind of looking for dating in some form or another. It's a great way to practice communicating what you want to lots of different people. Like in these very short snippets of time, it's like a great training exercise almost too. Um, And from there, like, I also often recommend going to meetups, not necessarily with the intentionality of I'm going to find my next friend with benefits here, but more I'm going to find a bunch of people who have a common interest to me and then see if there's anybody I'm attracted to. And if I notice I'm attracted to somebody, then I'll go ask, right? Like that's the other big thing. When you notice that attraction, instead of like waiting and waiting and letting it build up like some big fantasy relationship in your mind, it's so much easier to just notice and ask and get your answer right away. And it's getting, it's, it's, just, it's just getting the bravery just to do it first time. It's just once you've got past saying it the first time, then it gets a lot easier, doesn't it? It's like anything. It's like learning to ride a bike. It's always a little bit difficult first, but the more you practice, the better it is. Yeah. And I think here, like we can totally honor that there's an additional layer of challenge because again, you're going against the grain, especially if you're a woman choosing to do this. Though I so recommend women go and do the approaching because otherwise you're always just choosing from among the men who decided to approach you. Oh. And that really limits your potential pool. They're all frightened of rejection now, aren't they, Sarah? Rejection. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's normal, right? Like once upon a time, hundreds of thousands of years ago, getting rejected by your social group meant death when we were like living out in the wilderness as early humans. So like that's why rejection's so painful. Mm. But the easiest way to to work with that fear is number one, to just understand that like it never entirely goes away, but it can change from being like a very unsafe and scary feeling to being more like, oh, like a mild disappointment that you move on from quickly. Part of that is again, like asking sooner rather than later. Because if you let this build up for months or years in your imagination, you actually have a lot more to lose if someone says no, than if like, a couple of weeks after meeting them and you go, oh, hey, like I actually have a bit of a crush on this person. Let me just ask them if they're interested in something. Because if you do that then and they say no, well, I mean, what? It's like maybe a couple of weeks and a little bit of a disappointing crush instead of like someone you've been crushing on for months or a year and just spending a lot of energy desiring, a lot of one-way energy that's not being returned to you, God, right? Yeah. That's good advice, that. Um, Sarah, it's coming to the end now um i I know it's gone so quick listen i want you to um i want you to answer one last question for me and then i'd like you to give us uh your social media links so my last question is um if you were to go back and meet the, the the 18 year old you what would you advise oh my goodness i'm gonna take a minute and think about that there's part of me that's like don't marry that guy (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah because you were married you're getting married weren't you well I got married at 22 but it's to the person I met when I was 19 19. so it was coming right up and just be like hey you're gonna meet a guy at a call center where you work (laughs) don't marry him and I would be like who are you I'd be like I'm you from the future 
but and then I would probably just ignore it and make the same mistake anyway. <laughs> like that's I have to remember, like I was a teenager then. So I think going and like sitting down and having a bit of a heart to heart, because I don't think there's any one single thing I could say that would have changed the trajectory. Like what she really needed was a friend and an example, a living example that there was another way to live, right? That there was another way to do sex and relationships because I never saw someone like me now back then when I was a teenager, right? It was all stuff that like, I had an idea people did because there were books and there were magazines and things, but like in terms of all the people around me, everybody just seemed to be heterosexual people, monogamous people, like this is how relationships worked and like secretly thinking I was bad for so long because I didn't feel the same way. <laughs> like I felt different and especially cause like I'm bisexual. So I've been like attracted to people of a variety of types of gender my entire life. And I remember like as a young queerling, like being acutely aware that being attracted to like girls in my class was potentially dangerous, right? Wow. Like, and having that fear. So I think if I could have just been her friend for a couple of weeks with like this snapshot of like, here's what your life can be like, what it will be like in the future once you get the fuck out of your small town. Like, that's what she really needed was a friend and example. And I think mm -hmm. that's part of why people like you and people like me and people like our colleagues in this field are so incredibly important because we're standing up and saying there is another way. And it can be so easy to forget once you're this far down the road, how many people just don't have anyone like that in their lives. And so we become like lights in the darkness saying like, hey, oh, it's, it's not just one way, right? Cool. Thank you so much for that answer. I think that's fantastic. Um, so listen, tell me your social media links. Sure. So you can come and hang out with me on Instagram. I'm at dignified.hedonist. I'm also on Facebook at dignified hedonist without the dot this time. Uh, my website is dignifiedhedonist.com. And I would invite anybody who has enjoyed listening to me. I've got a podcast. It's called Slutty Activism. It's wherever fine podcasts are found. So just like how Sexplosion is on Spotify, Slutty Activism is on Spotify too. And we've got a podcast community group on Facebook, which you can find by going to sluttyactivism.group. You just type that into the URL bar, sluttyactivism.group, and it'll redirect you right there. Oh, I think we should all go and have a look at that. It sounds interesting. Yeah. I'd love to go and have a look. I might just do that. Uh, thank you so, so much, Sarah. Um, it's been fantastic having you. And um, next month, Saturday, the 7th of January, we'll be talking to Himal Adia. Um, and we're going to be talking about sex and what women want. And she's a CF certified ACC level life coach specializing in relationships, marriage and grief coaching, actually. Um, wow. So we've also got tons to talk about. So come back right here. Thank you very much again, Sarah, for being with us. It's been brilliant having you. You might have to come back again for all the other topics that we talk about um, that we haven't had a chance to talk about here. So um, come right back here, everybody, for more explosive, unscripted conversations. And hope you enjoyed listening this week. Thank you all so, so much for taking the time to tune in to listen to us. See you next month. To your success, I'm out. <laughs>